Good morning, how we doing? Good to uh, see you this morning. Uh, first of all, happy Thanksgiving. Pray they have a great time on, on Thursday. Uh, second of all, uh, in the back on a table back there, um, there is baskets of stuff that we bought for you to take um, at the 20th anniversary. So there's pens and invite cards and shopping bags and all that kind of stuff. We've got our name all over. And, and so I want to implore you, I want to encourage you uh, to take uh, those on your way out today um, because we didn't, our, we didn't buy them to have them sit in a corner somewhere, okay? So uh, if you don't, then next week they'll be on your chair, okay? So just saying. And the week after that, we will mail them to you, okay? So we have your address. So go ahead and feel free to uh, take those. All right. Also wanted to say those that helped in any way with the 20th anniversary last week, thank you so very much. We had a great time, didn't we? Uh, just celebrating uh, the 20 years that, that we've been in existence. So thank you uh, so much. All right, we are in uh, week two of our series called Back to the Basics and our second what-if scenario. And so this morning we're going to look at what would it look like, what would it be like, what if... We took control of our tongue and the words that we speak. And this might be the most difficult one that we're going to talk about. Book of James says this in James 3 verse 8, But no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil, full of deadly poison. In verse 7 James, James talks about how we can tame all kinds of animals, but how we cannot tame the tongue. Nevertheless, the tongue can be brought under the power and the control of the Holy Spirit, right? The verse goes on to say that our tongue is full of just deadly poison. The untamable tongue is even more dangerous when we consider, when we understand the deadly poison it can deliver. A woman once came to John Wesley and she told him that she knew what her talent was that God had given to her. And she said this, she said, I think my talent from God is to speak my mind. Like, that's what she said. I love Wesley's response. He, he, he said, you know what? I, I don't think God would mind if you buried that talent. <laughs> right? Um, in other words, speaking everything that comes to mind, uh, it's probably unwise and probably has the potential to be poisonous speech. So, so James says it's impossible to tame the tongue but we can keep a tight rein on it. Look with me at James 1, verse 26. It says this, If anyone thinks that he is religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. So, so James spent time in the previous verses talking about how we are not to be hearers of the word, but we are to be what? Doers of the word. And one way that we do the word is to, to take control of, to bridle, to, 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 to watch the words that we say. 
Side note here, the New Testament never uses the Greek word for religious in a positive sense. James uses it here of somebody who is religious, not, but not really right with God here. And it's evidence because he doesn't bridle his tongue. And so learning to control our words uh, for the believer, for the Christian, is really not an optional thing. It's really like, hey, you know what, I'll just... Uh, I'm just not going to do that right now. I'm just going to say whatever I want to say, do whatever I want to do, whatever. Um, that's not an option for the believer. It's a requirement uh, for, for all of us. It's a discipline that, that, that God actually takes seriously. So we're going to drill down on this concept of tam- taming the tongue this morning. Go ahead and take your note sheets out. You can follow along with me uh, as we go through this. So the number one on your outline this morning uh, says the problems that you get. It's really not all that difficult to see the problems that, that caused by using wrong words. Right? You don't have to look very far. Most likely you can look as far as your closest relationships because this is the biggest problem caused by words. The number A on your outline there, wrong words can destroy relationships. Psalms 12 verse 2 says everyone utters lies to his neighbors with flattering lips and and a double heart they speak. And so David just sees around him those who spoke with with this idle chatter with their neighbors. And he comes to the conclusion that they are flattering lips, a double heart. Basically, they are two-faced kind of people. Do you know what? is right at the top of the list that causes a lot of divorces in our country today. Certainly infidelity and money issues are there, but also it is the cumulative effect of the words you speak or the words that you fail to speak to your spouse. Because after a while, the words or lack of words take their toll on a relationship and eventually it comes to an end. And there's a lie that we all were told when we were kids. I don't know who came up with this, but, but it's dumb, right? This is a dumb saying. It's one that you know, right? Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Yes, they do. They do too. Words do hurt. The reality is, you know what? You can break my bones with sticks and stuff. Eventually, that's going to heal. Eventually, I'm going to be okay with that. But words... Words can hurt for a lifetime. I mean, how many of us remember something that was said to us? Maybe when we were even little kids on the playground. Or or maybe in high school or college or just a few years back. And you still remember what what was said years later. I remember what was said to, to me 20 years ago when we planted our, our church, there were a lot of people that were very encouraging, right? They speak encouraging words. And I, and I remember some of those. You know what I remember more, though? I, I remember those people that came up and said, you guys are never going to make it. Right? You're going to fail miserably. And today I think, well, we're still here 20 years later, so I have. Not that I'm competitive or anything. Secondly, wrong words can make a bad situation worse. Proverbs 18.6, a fool's lips walk into a fight and his mouth invites a beating. 
It is in the nature of a fool to argue, right? These words often bring a beating upon themselves, right? They invite punishment, and sometimes this punishment will be physical correction. Sometimes it might be a physical altercation. And whenever you continue to speak negative words into a negative situation, you tend to fan the flame of negativity until it just kind of gets out of control. And maybe it plays out something like this. Maybe you have a problem at work to deal with, and maybe the person you have to deal with is a coworker. maybe it's a boss, whatever, and you begin to discuss it with some of your coworkers, but that decision is never about solutions to the problem. The discussion is only about the problem itself, how big it is and how bad it is and how much you hate the problem, how much you want the problem to go away, how other people in their jobs don't have that problem. See, speaking negatively into a negative situation only makes the problem what? Worse. So there are some of the problems that we have when we don't control our words. The next question is, is what good will it do? Like if we take the time and the effort and the energy to control what we say, what good will that do? Well, I actually think that it does a lot of good. Right? I actually think it could probably change your life. The first thing that's good about controlling what we say is you'll become a better person. Now, this is not, this is like the lowest thing on the totem pole here. Right? This is not the only good thing that will happen or not even the best thing that's going to happen. But it does happen. James puts it this way in chapter 3, verse 2. For we all stumble in many ways. And if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he's a perfect man, able also to bridle his whole body. And now he's specifically talking to teachers in this passage. But I think it applies to, to all of us. Notice here James includes himself with those who stumble. Anybody stumble on what they say? Like, I don't know about you, but I'm the king, right? All the time. Take foot, insert mouth, right? That's, or, is that right? Yeah. However that works, right? <laughs> Somebody say it right, would you? All right. I think it's interesting here that he doesn't excuse his or our stumbling for that matter. And we know that we all stumble, but we should press on to a better walk with the Lord. Right? Marked by less stumbling. And a part of that is to watch what we say. And not only to watch what we say, but to watch what? How we say it. So, so to not stumble in word shows true spiritual maturity, right? It's especially relevant to teachers who have a lot more opportunity to sin with their tongue. But we also stumble in word about ourselves, right? So, so we boast and, and we exaggerate, like I'm the king of that one. I'll exaggerate all day long, right? We have selective reporting. Anybody there? Right, we stumble in word about others, right? We're critical. We, we gossip. We, we slander. We, 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 we speak with cruelty of, of words in, in anger. Or sometimes we'll do this. We'll flip that and we'll, we'll, we'll speak with flattery and insincere words just to kind of gain favor. 
A key to overcoming bad habits is to start with your tongue. Start with the words that you say. So a good thing that will happen when we watch your tongue is, number two, is that, is that you'll build others up. Right? It's another advantage of taking control of your words. Did, did you realize that right words can actually minister to other people? You ever have that happen where, where you're in a spot and somebody is sharing with you and, and you just have the right, well, God just gives you the right words to say and it just ministers to the heart uh, of that person. Because our words can strengthen and can build up. Paul puts it this way in Ephesians 4.29, let no corrupt talk come out of your mouth, but only such is good for building up as fits the occasion. That it, that it may give grace to those who hear. So, so Paul's saying here, if you're a Christ follower, if you're a Christian, here are some things that you should and, and should not do. Like the believer in Christ, we should know how to watch our tongue. Speaking what is good and necessary for edification, desiring to impart grace on those who hear, who, who hear our words. See, the words that you have have, a, have the power to tear people down or to build them up. Your words have the power to make people want to quit or encourage them to keep going. Right? It depends on how you choose to use your words. A lot of people think, for example, the gift of prophecy is a negative gift, that the, prophecy, the prophet spoke anger about everything that was wrong. I think sometimes people think the same thing about sermons, right? They're only good if they're negative. Do you know what the truth is? Check out this passage in, of Scripture in 1 Corinthians 14, verse 3. On the other hand, the one who prophesies speaks to people for their upbuilding, their encouragement, and consolation. Comfort is that word. The goal of every sermon, of every Sunday school lesson, lesson every conversation should be to build up and encourage and comfort. The most important good thing that will happen when we tame our tongue, number three, is, to glory, is that you'll glory, or give glory to God. David said this in Psalm 63, because of your steadfast love is better than life, my lips will praise you. See, see in light of David's experience of God's great love that he gave to him, he's determined to vocally praise God. And, and David thought that, that he would be ungrateful and rude, not, not to praise and to thank God who, who was the one that loved him so greatly. And I think that's why Pastor Barry does such a great job, right, uh, of looking at the words that we sing every Sunday, right, right? that those give glory to God. One reason that we're put on this earth is to glorify God with our words. And yeah, we're called to glorify him with our actions as well. But God, I think, puts a high price tag on the things we say to him and about him. And, and he wants to hear our praise. He, he wants us to give glory to him. Right? Just, just like couples need to remind each other of their love. Just like friends need, need to express appreciation to each other. God wants to hear from his people words of praise and thanksgiving and expressions of love. So, so now let's take a minute and just talk about, like, how do we put this into practice? 
Well, let me give you three simple things that you can put in practice right now to begin to take control of the words that you say. Three areas in which you can begin to hold back your words. First one is this. Don't say everything that you know. Way back when I was in uh, Northwest Bible College uh, over in Kirkland, uh, I happened to know a few people that were on a team that brought a well-known Christian artist to the school for a, a concert. And uh, so we're standing around, we're talking about this particular Christian artist who's coming into our school. And, and uh, one of the people involved in this little team started uh, saying all this like, negative stuff about this Christian artist that they knew. Stuff, stuff that I'm sure that this person would not want to be public. And my point is this, it's just because you know something doesn't mean you need to tell others about it. In this case, it didn't make me, or it did make me think less of this Christian singer. That that information did not build this person up. It, it didn't edify the group in which this person was giving this information to. And it clearly didn't bring glory to, to Christ. Now, now, if the Christian artist decided to publicly discuss his struggle, that would be his choice. But until then, that, that's between that person and God, right? And so you may know something about someone, but just because you know it, just because it's true, doesn't mean that you have to say it. If what you say doesn't build others up and bring glory to Christ's name, then I just think we're better off not saying it at all. Solomon said this in Proverbs 17, 27, Whoever restrains his words has knowledge, but he who has a cool spirit is man of understanding. Both wisdom and Foolishness are often revealed by one's words. Yet in the case of wisdom, it may be revealed by the knowledge of when to keep quiet. You probably should never think that a wise man or woman reveals their wisdom by, by talking a lot. Number two is don't, you don't have to say everything you think. Right? There, there is just something about this principle. And... I, I, I don't know about you, but I, I've learned this over the years, the, this principle when um, people come in for, for counseling or a situation like that. I, I've just learned over the years that's very important for me not to say everything that I necessarily think. I, I really learned it over the years when it comes to my wife, right? <laughs> I've learned she's right there. She knows, right? <laughs> I don't have to say everything I think. And in fact, it's probably best if I don't. Then I think about what Solomon said in Proverbs 17, 28. Even a fool who keeps silent is considered wise. And when he closes his lips, he's deemed intelligent. So, so again, just don't have to say everything that we think. Remember, silence looks a lot like wisdom. And then thirdly, don't repeat everything you hear. The problem with repeating gossip is that there's a very good chance that it's probably not completely true. Gossip tends to be embellished as it's passed on from person to person. And the subject of gossip, I think, is one that we need to take seriously. Here's what Proverbs has to say, chapter 16, verse 28. A dishonest man spreads strife and a whisper separates close friends. Do you know what a whisper is? Glad you asked. I'm going to tell you. 
Okay, a whisperer, by definition, denotes a malicious gossip who misrepresents a situation and by his false statements that aims to damage the reputation of someone and to defame them behind their back. So a whisperer separates the best of friends. This is one way that a dishonest man sows strife. Right? By whispering gossipy words. Is that a word? Gossipy? I'm going to use it. By whispering gossipy words. The, the strife that they sow is so powerful that it can separate the best of friends. I don't know if it's ever occurred to you that, that when we talk bad about someone, God considers that dishonest or even perverted. And in my opinion, the truer it is, the more juicier it is, the more despicable it is to God. God would much rather us keep quiet about it. Proverbs 17, 9, whoever covers an offense seeks love, but he who repeats a matter separates close friends. There it is again. To uncover someone's sin by repeating it to others will ruin relationships, divide friendships. So, so these are just a few of the steps that we can take to get a hold of, uh, of controlling the things we say, controlling our tongue, controlling the words that we speak. And when we take control of our words, I think we're better able to take control of other areas of life as well. I'm going to repeat James 3, 2 again. For we all stumble in many ways. And if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he's a perfect man, able also to bridle his whole body. Here's my challenge for you today. My challenge for you is just to put these three things into practice. Don't say everything you know. Don't say everything you think and don't repeat everything you hear. And what it really boils down to is to, right, probably it's just to speak less. The secret of taking control of our words is to use less of them. Proverbs 10, 19 says this, when words are many, transgression is not lacking. But whoever restrains his lips is prudent. Just think about that for a moment. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for your word today. And God, I just want to stand before you this morning. And I just want to repent of my sin, God. I know for me, my tongue often gets ahead of my, my mind and my heart. And God, sometimes I'm, I'm quick to speak. And, and so, Lord, I, I want to just repent this morning of the many, many thoughtless things that I've spoken. I'm sorry for the words that I've spoken in anger, words that I've spoken in gossip. God, please help me to see when I'm about to speak without thinking. And God, would you just check my heart? Help me to be slow to speak, God. Help me, God, to be a person full of, of loving words, full, full of your spirit overflowing with love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and gentleness and self-control. Maybe you're here today. Maybe you need to pray or prayer something similar to that and just confess to the Lord. And in the quietness of this moment, just take a moment Pray to God.
Father, today my prayer is that you would help us to put these three things, these three principles into practice. Father, help us to take control of the things that we say. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen.